Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. It is so good to hear that sound, Zach. Back season three, year three of Puzzling Company, and we've grown. Yeah, we have, we've grown a lot. We are not just a twosome. We are now a foursome. Take that how you will. And I see a lot of biting lips around the table right now, which I look forward to the awkwardness as this pours on. But we're super excited here to be adding two people to our discussion, to the passion that we have here at Puzzling Company. Their names are Hunter and Matthew. They're employees with us. And right after the break here, we're going to let you meet them. And then we have a whole episode to talk about a really fun game with them. So Puzzling Company, we'll be right back after this break. Zach. Zach. What's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay. I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And, okay, let, let's let, let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before, Boston. Like, ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Uh, do you know what state that the murder happened in? Yeah, it in? happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about, like, the lovely city murder that happened? Yes. Like, the killing affairs That's game? what I'm talking about. But now you're not, now you're talking normal. Yeah. B- what do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about A Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, But over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. Jared, how do they do it? How do they do what, man? Scarlet Envelope every month sends me a new game with a new story and new formatting, but it all works so well. Dude, I know. It's like one month I'm catching a serial killer in the 50s. Right? But then when another one, we had to stop the second Galaxy War. I know. And then the next month, I'm trying to rescue a dragon in the medieval kingdom. It's just crazy that every month they keep sending out a new game that also leads up to like this crazy secret society element. It's it's a gift. I don't know how they do it. But here's what I do know. If you want to go to scarletenvelope.com and use code PUZZLINGCOMPANY, all one word, you can get $10 off their catch-up bundle, which is a full set of 13 games. Or you could just sign up monthly and journey with it. They're so fun. I'm so excited for the next one. I can't wait.
Well, welcome back to Puzzles and Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Um, we are here in the kind of first section of the show. Um, we're going to tell you a little bit about what we have planned for this year. And then as we talked about in our intro, you'll get to meet some lovely new people. Uh, so big changes for this year comparatively to last year's we covered in our year-end episode uh, at the end of season two. One, we're going to be posting three episodes each month, the 5th, the 15th, and the 25th. Puzzling company on the fives. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So you'll be able to get those episodes there. Um, some other big changes, obviously, as you've heard in the introduction, there are two new members. Uh, Matthew and Hunter will be joining us, so you'll get to hear from them very soon. Um, our Patreon is going to be changing. Um, instead of it being our three d- different tiered systems, uh, there will be just one. And for that, $10 a month, you will be able to join the spoiler club, as I'm going to call it. I love it. In our normal episodes that you listen to ours, you really, it's kind of spoiler free. You don't get to hear too much about it. But if you join Patreon, um, you will be able to get access to our episodes where we talk all about the game. Every Very spoiler specific. you can think of. Very specific, which is fun because what do we always talk about? What's part of playing the game? It's kind of like the after talk, kind of our yeah, enjoyment of what we, we like we about love, it. Who doesn't? If you don't love sitting around talking about a game after a game, I question whether or not you love games because I love, I love the after talk. But yeah, that's it. $10 Patreon. If you're one of our old Patreon members, you will be grandfathered into that. And we do continue to appreciate everybody's support with us on into the new year. And we look to the new people joining us as well. But enough about us. Enough about Puzzling Company here in 2023 in season three. We want y'all to meet the new members who you're going to be hearing a lot from and who are going to be helping us develop a lot of new content, especially the video content that we have coming this year. Yes. So, um, Matthew, we'll throw it to you first. Who are you? Why are you here today? Why in the world did we decide to let you join this? Hi there, guys. Uh, my name is Matthew, as Jared just introduced. I am an employee at The Rooms, and uh, I'm very passionate about lots of t- different kinds of games, especially puzzle games, but most importantly, like tabletop is my main background. And, uh, well, we just kind of started to get closer. All four of us have over the past year or so uh, from working at The Rooms, and uh, we've kind of come to see that we share a lot of passions and such. Very cool. Hunter, I guess we'll get to know you. Yeah, I'm kind of a second thought. I was, <laughs> it was more so Matthew came and then I was just part of the package. Uh, but hi, my name is Hunter. Um, I, I mean, the story is about the same as Matthew's is. Uh, I kind of specialize more in the video games area. I've been playing them all my life and I just kind of love the puzzles, all of them. And I'm ideally becoming something in that field, a video game designer, programmer, something like that. That's what I'm looking to do. Uh, but I'm just very, very passionate about it. And I love the work that, Zach and Jared have already put forth, so I'm very excited to join them. We're pumped um, to, one, just have some cool people join us to play these games that we, like they said, have been knowing very well. And and they get to do some work now, too, that we don't have to do anymore, Zach. Yes, I get freedom. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Hunter, we'll, we'll start back with you again. Like, you said you love video games. What does that mean? That's huge. Like narrow us in on like what your field of expertise is in that. Yeah. So whenever I was playing games, uh, like Jared was talking about, it's the after talk for me that would always push it over the edge. I would love analyzing it afterwards and seeing what made it fun and why people would replay a game and why some games are more replayable, why some games aren't as much. Uh, How much does the story have to do with it? What kind of effect does it have on the player afterwards? It's just always fascinated me and Uh, obviously a lot of the same qualities are also within puzzle games and at home escape rooms and kind of the impact it has on the player. So that's always 
fascinated me. And my my personal preference is I love to completely understand a game. I, I want to play it all the way through, get all the trophies, get everything, so I can feel like I truly appreciate it. And I feel like a lot of the stuff here uh, with looking back on a puzzle room, something like that, and just seeing what every little detail you loved about it and then understanding all of it, it just kind of enhances my um, perception of the game and it really adds a new value of um, the game for me. And I feel like that should be appreciated by everyone, honestly. So tell us maybe like what your top three favorite video games are. That is a very tough question, but I will do my best. Uh, so my number one favorite of all time is probably The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. Um, it has to do, obviously, with The Witcher stuff. Uh, there's a whole book series on that and a movie series, or not a movie series, a TV show now uh, that, obviously, I would recommend for you guys. Number two, probably God of War. Uh, the 2018 version got me into the series. I've loved the recent one, God of War Ragnarok as well. But 2018 just holds a special place in my heart. A lot of cool story in that, a lot of cool gameplay. And trust me, if I started talking about each of these games in depth, we'd be here for like five hours. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep it short for each no, of them. this is great. For my number three spot, I would probably put Red Dead Redemption 2. I feel like that one uh, has its own unique story and kind of at like atmosphere to it that is different even from the other rockstar games that it has in there so just those three are the most impactful for me but obviously uh, my brain is changed all the time and that was very difficult for me to come up with those three on the spot so we were looking for the room one two and three that would have been the correct answer <laughs> i'm very sorry jared <laughs> <laughs> now so we're gonna actually throw it over to matthew now matthew you know we've gotten a little know a little bit about you uh, tell us a little bit more, like what you enjoy to do kind of in your free time, kind of also some stuff about what you love about the puzzling world. Uh, I know you've been starting to get into some of these games recently with us. Uh, we've had you and Hunter play some, um, letting everyone know they had a little bit of a beta test run of themselves. They of had homework. To play game. Absolutely. Yeah, got they had some, good some homework. homework. Uh, but no, just tell us a little bit more about yourself, Matthew. Well, I have a lot of similar enjoyments to Hunter, especially when it comes to the after talk. Uh, all the points Hunter brought up, uh, he did not just throw those out there completely out of the blue. We actually spent a long time last night tearing apart one of my favorite games, kind of analyzing everything about it. Um, and I, I am very interested in video games, although I see things a lot more from a literary standpoint, from a writing standpoint, because that's my background. Um, and so that's why I enjoy tabletop so much. So my biggest background for gaming is probably Dungeons and Dragons, uh, but also I know a bit about Pathfinder and uh, the Star Wars uh, tabletop role-playing game. I'm very big into characters and uh, kind of like dungeon crawls and that kind of thing. But I also have a huge appreciation for puzzle games. Um, I have not been super experienced until recently, although the three games that we did get to try out were a lot of fun. I'm a very big fan of the escape room in a box style of like kind of solving an escape room at, in your own home, although uh, I definitely have some preferences of different kinds of puzzles now. Um, and it's just been a lot of fun to get to learn how to talk about these things because I have very strong opinions whenever I do have opinions. And uh, to get to be kind of self-righteous about it is pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I love it so much. And you'll also pick this up as we go through the podcast. But you guys are very close. Um, y'all have known each other for a number of years. Uh, and y'all are really good friends. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about that. Uh, how specific do you want to get? Because I remember <laughs> give everything. Us, give, us the, give us the two-minute uh, elevator pitch of your relationship. Right. So uh, we started going to the same school in sixth grade. Um, 
in Murfreesboro, but we actually got to know each other a lot better toward the end of sixth grade and mostly through seventh grade. Uh, we took Latin together starting in seventh grade, and then we went to a competitive Latin convention Ooh. in eighth grade, and that's when we became extremely close, learning a lot more about each it's other. where everybody becomes really yeah, close. Yeah, no, JCL Latin. for the win yeah. right there. Um, but also, we recently found out that my family actually almost moved right next door to him. Oh, wow. And so, like, this hmm. friendship was going to happen no matter what, and uh, we, you know, we were together for better or for worse at times, but also we're through it all, for uh, sure. Well, for the most part, through it all. I mean, I definitely get mad at Matthew sometimes, but that hasn't stopped us. It's a very interesting dynamic we have because if you took sixth grade me and sixth grade Matthew, you would not expect them to be friends. We were very, very different people in that time, and we're very, very different people now. But as high school has gone through, we've just developed together in kind of a symbiotic relationship, although that makes it sound weird. Um, it's just it's very weird. It, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's comparable to that, in my opinion. And, I mean, we, we've seen each other through probably some of the lowest points we're ever going to go through in because high school was tough, especially with the COVID years and all of that. Um, but I think after um, about seven years getting to know each other, we're, we, we seem pretty solid. I would they, say. Know, they know us longer than you and I, Zach. It's true. How do we, we fight this? We can't. We may be overrun. <laughs> yeah, we might be. But that, that's the point of Puzzling Company, right? Like uh, everything that we do is we want people playing games together. Agreed. And now our company grows from two to four. And I mm -hmm. think there's only benefits from all of this. And as a team, we are super excited on a <laughs> now a 10-day basis, not a weekly basis anymore. Yep. We're excited to keep doing what we're doing and be looking out this year for some added bonus content that we will be developing as a team. Very, very excited about that. Um, we cannot wait to show you all the things that we've been daydreaming, brainstorming, cooking up. But we got to do what we come here to do, right? Isn't that right? So what we're going to do, we're going to take a little break. And then as history unfolds, the new Forged Puzzling Company will reveal what game we are covering in this first episode of Season 3. We're going to break it down like we always do, just with some new faces and voices in the mix. So hang on. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've had local police department reach out to us. We've had federal agencies reach out to us. And we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. The stories have great twists, and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one-sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours, and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game, every time you play Unsolved Case File games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15, 
at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. We are now here kind of in the first section of the show. In this section, you're going to get to hear from all four of us. Um, We're going to talk about the game itself, which uh, we have not revealed yet what game we have played. Um, But to kind of cover it a little bit more, um, this is where we'll get to talk about the likes for the game as well as kind of some room for improvements we might have in our opinion. Mind you, as we always say, this isn't meant to dog on the company or the game or anything like that. It's just to kind of give our opinion and also just we love talking about the games and we love the games we play. So we want them to always get better. Uh, So Jared, can you tell us a little bit about the game we did play? Well, as I mentioned earlier, this was the first game we all played together. What we got to play was the great Gotham challenge. And if you don't know what this game is, this is a competitive puzzle hunt style game. So I looked at the results. I think there were 64 teams playing the day after Christmas. We were one of them. And it was really funny because I recognized a lot of folks and I was like, oh, we are screwed (laughs) in terms of the competition aspect of some of the names that I saw in there. But yeah, it's meant to be a shorter uh, style puzzle hunt. The email that was sent to us said it probably should last three or four hours, Um, but it was a lot of fun. And it felt like we, we all got thrown in the deep end because Zach and I have done puzzle hunts in the past. We've talked about them on the show, but we've never done a live one. We've never done a competition one. We enjoy competition. So going into this, our goals, um, especially with adding two new people and not knowing how we would collectively play a game together was, let's just finish, <laughs> right? Like if we get dead last, but finish, so be it. But before we get into it, I'm going to throw it to either of y'all take this. Like, how would you describe the format of what we played? Chaotic. It, <laughs> it, it felt so intense just off the get-go, um, which is, I mean... Partially, it's the fault of us because it's our first time doing like a competition type thing. But if you took a photo at the beginning of it and at the end of it, it's just there's papers everywhere. Paper is still everywhere at no organization. People were throwing things at each other, making messes. It, it, it was it was a lot, um, but it was a very, very fun uh, bunch of stuff to just do. Um, and all us all working together was a very interesting dynamic to see in this for the first time for two experienced people not doing a competition and two less experienced people also not doing a competition. It was uh, a unique dynamic to start playing. Absolutely. Zach, will you kind of line out what they told us in the rules? Like, how did this compare to when you and I sat down and did Wish We Were Here or when we did Colby's Curious Cook-Off? Like, how did it, how did it change just so our listeners understand how this felt different than a at-your-own-pace style puzzle hunt? No, that's a good question. So um, how it differs mainly is in terms of the format. So there's a timer. Obviously, you understand that you are playing competitively. There are other teams. Um, so they introduced, it, introduced kind of a new kind of hint system that I'm not used to where you do get hints, um, and they explained it very clearly how the hint system does work in terms of that it is kind of tiered, but you can pick what area you want. However, if you take hints early um, or before the average pace of the game, you lose time for doing it. Uh, and it tells you exactly how much time you lose. It tells you how much you get punished for it. Um, but it was creatively done, and they explained it super well. Uh, the other big part is that um, because there's an online element, you are putting all of it into a kind of a digital uh, input solution system um, provided by the great... Gotham Challenge, uh, and you are just trying to put all the information in. So um, the biggest things for us in terms of the ch- differences between those two games is that um, I think 
in my opinion, the biggest was one, the timer. It kind of just made it very clear. Like you knew if you were on pace or not, because the game essentially was like, Hey, you're like 15 minutes in, you haven't solved the first puzzle. Everyone else has gotten past this point. So, so here's, here's a free hint. Loser. It's a great yes. confidence booster for sure. Um, and then outside of that, the rest is basically just trying to figure out what you need to do next. Cause um, we'll talk about more in our likes and room for improvements, but when we played Wish You Were Here, um, you know, we had a little bit, it was kind of more like f- told us exactly how it's going to play out, but you just knew there was no timer. So it's just on you to, you know, just play as long or short as you want. This one, it was like, you get some time extra after the game if you like, but if you're trying to actually play competitive, you're kind of limited to this knowledge for now. Absolutely. And that's where I kind of want to bring us in. And I'm going to throw it to Matthew here in a second to take us through our first point. One of the very unique things about this game versus a lot of other puzzle hunts that take place online is I've played other ones, Cryptex hunts, other ones where it's just digital. Yes. They, and by they I mean the Great Gotham Challenge, sent us a giant package. Yes. And what was really cool about this game is that you had the online element and the classic internet search that you had, but you also had a lot of physical things that you had to work with. And in our discussion... That was a big plus, right, Matthew? Absolutely. First off, uh, just being able to have physical props in your hand to be able to help you solve problems and puzzles such as ciphers and other props that can clue you in on the kind of riddle you're trying to solve with your research. Um, that's, that's always a plus on its own. But then the fact that it comes with collectibles, things that don't even actually have to do with the game entirely that you can just keep as keepsakes after the fact, like that is always such something that is amazing to be able to take from a game and that you can't always have so with a puzzle hunt that would be entirely online the closest thing you're gonna have to a keepsake is maybe like the email saying congrats you got it (laughs) here's a discount from our store uh versus like oh wow i get this cool little toy that i can use and that i can punch holes with like just weird little things like that i i've never really seen that in a game this style before and it was pretty exciting to be able to interact with yeah, I, I agree. Like, mm-hmm. I was impressed with the weight of the box. I remember when we first got it in the mail, and I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I don't know what to expect. And we tore that box up. But you're not allowed to open it before the game starts. But Correct. completely, completely agree with what Matthew is saying. I'm looking at the, <laughs> I, I guess, the remnants of the explosion, as Hunter said, of what of what happened on our table. And they did some really, really unique things with the physicality in a puzzle hunt. Super, super, super impressed by that. Zach, what are you, what are you thinking on the other front? I think you mentioned the, uh, uh, what our next thing is in your intro. You want to talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. So I'm going to, next thing I'm actually going to talk about is the hint system. So, uh, in terms of the game's functionality, um, one of the cool parts that they do have is how they explain the tiered hint system. So, um, in most games you play, right, depending on what it is, um, you kind of have an explanation of why the hint system exists, and clearly this is a competition game that involves puzzles, so kind of needs some help at, at times, so um, they created a really cool tiered hint system where you can look through all the, you can look basically through all the hints. Mind you, you have to confirm one of them to see the full details of the hint, but it basically goes like, you can look at it and it goes like, uh, hint one of five says, this is kind of the question you're asking, this would be the answer to it. And then next part is this, Question three is this, four is this, five is this, and five is usually the walkthrough. Um, there is kind of a thing where they added a timer to it, so you do get penalized if you ask for hints too early, but um, it was explained really well in the introduction and the rules, so it, it actually made a lot of sense why it existed that way. But as I've talked about many times on this podcast before, I loved uh, I 
I love a good tiered hint system, to say the least. And it was really well done. I mean, the only thing they don't do realistically, and I understand why in terms of a puzzle hunt, is they don't give you the straight-up answer really ever. Um, they give you kind of like the start of the answer, and then it's still on you to kind of complete it with the walkthrough. I would agree with that. I think the most important part of the competition is the fact that the hints don't let you get away with it. I mean, there there is, of course, a punishment and like a, a tax of time for each hint. Um, and I really appreciated that that time went down the longer you spent on the hint because Lord knows we needed it often. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. Um, we're not smart over here. Um, but I really, really appreciated that in the, in the competition aspect. And it made us really consider all of our options before we continued on the hint. And the game was also very, very good about letting us know when we ought to take a hint. There were a couple puzzles that said, like, you might want to check this one out. It'll give you, like, the right direction, which is really, really good. And you don't typically see that in a lot of games where it tells you to ask for a hint before anything else. But I, I appreciate that in that it, does, it makes sure you don't want to get off into a rabbit hole and then ruin your experience because you were looking off in the corner. And we love rabbit holes here at Puzzling Company and followed many of them during this game. We'll talk here at the end of this section about how we finished, but I want to bring us into our third like that we really enjoyed about that. And that was just the puzzles in this game. I was super impressed on a couple of different levels with how the puzzles were. And, and specifically, as we were talking about earlier, the physical ones. The stuff that we got in the box for a puzzle hunt that's supposed to challenge you, but it's supposed to be movable through. They did some things I haven't seen in other games. There were some things that Zach and I were prepared for. Um, there were some things that I would not. To take it up a level, this game relies heavily on reusability of materials. I didn't realize how much when we first started, and that was one of our struggle points. Usually it's, oh, we'll gently maybe use... No, there is one puzzle in this game to where if you don't accurately do something earlier in the game you are in big trouble want to know what we're talking about join the patreon and <laughs> hit us up for our spoiler episode because we're going to talk in depth about this but just the logistics of building around reusability and the puzzling in this game i'm super impressed this was obviously made by very intelligent puzzling people and I was giddy like this. It, it made mm -hmm. me really excited starting off the season and to play uh, with Matthew and Hunter that they got to see such creativity from the physicality in the puzzles. Zach, what did you think? We've been doing this a while. What did you think? And, and, and you were, we'll talk about this a little bit, but you were our kind of our team captain, but also had to attend to real life for a part of this game. Uh, so I'm yeah. interested in your thoughts because you were kind of, I felt like the three of us were the goldfish. And then Zach was like the cat that would every once in a while dip his paw into the aquarium and be a part, and back, back a part of the team. But what did you think about the puzzling? Oh, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, mind you, as we'll talk about it a little bit more in our, our kind of our spoiler section. Um, but in terms of my view of the puzzle diversity, I actually really liked it. Um, it was very cool how some of the puzzles were reused multiple times, but in a creative and clever way that it didn't feel like it was just repeating the same puzzle, um, even though some of it is typically using something that you used before. Right. So it feels a little bit repetitive, but it was enough creativity to it that you didn't like question it too much. Um, I did very much like that... They, you know, and I say they, but uh, Matthew and Hunter got to see some different styles of puzzles because, you know, sometimes I'm a little worried when you play certain styles of games that you're like, 
Oh, you know, I, I love puzzle hunts. Uh, I would say out of the four here, I'm probably the one who's most experienced or enjoy it the most. Um, but we have two who've never played many before. Um, and I love the idea of the knowledge and the searching and the research element of it. Uh, and it was really cool having that digital aspect, but being able to actually have the physicality to mess with the stuff that I could when I was playing this game. Yeah, I agree. I want to, I want to transition us now into where we felt there were some room for improvements because we say this a lot on the podcast. We don't believe the perfect game exists. It is very relative to the individual for a lot of these things. So I'm actually very excited to have Matthew and Hunter with us now because we're now opening this up to more viewpoints, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's that's super, super important for what, what we do. But I'm going to throw it to Matthew to talk about what our, what our first room for improvement was. Yeah, we had a couple of things that we would like to make this more of an ideal game we would like ideally change. Um, and I think the biggest thing has to do with the solution input and its clarity. So the whole idea of that comes from just how you're putting in your answers to that digital interface. And although that digital interface was wonderful and it was very helpful at times uh, with all these different kinds of puzzles, I had a very great time with all these puzzles. And I actually didn't have too many problems with the puzzles themselves. The issue I did end up having a lot of the time was, so what is my answer? Because right. at times it would say phrases such as doing this specific process is going to show you how to find your answer. And then you get a message or some kind of phrase and it's like, oh, this is a riddle we have to solve. Let's go down this rabbit hole. Let's do more research. Classic puzzle hunt kind of style of yes. finding your answer. And then we were like, okay, but just in case, let's like try this phrase after about 15 minutes of going down that rabbit hole. And we're like, oh, it was just the passphrase. Then it was not another riddle we had to take on. And I think that could have been handled clearer. Um, and I think that kind of has a bit of a drawback to it. No, I, I totally agree because they even say in the intro, like you will sometimes, the first thing that you will solve, you will get something and then that's not the answer. And I, I, we may have run with that a little too hard. Zach's usually the person that brings us down to earth on these type of things. And I think the trio of Hunter, Matthew and Jared were just, we were, we were little bunnies just making all of these little pathways for us. But I'm 100% on board for that. I especially I think it's hard for all of us coming from the escape room world your outputs have to be clearly defined in an escape room in a puzzle hunt they don't have to but even doing this felt like is that the answer or should we keep going but I guess you could argue that it was on us mm -hmm. that we didn't try everything we got in the answer section yeah. and I think a large part of that is that we should have trusted Zach as our answer putter in her <laughs> to do that for us, but unfortunately we did not give him enough opportunity because we're like, no, 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 we know what we're doing. And Zach is like, well, okay, I tried it and it worked, so. <laughs> That's too good, that's too good. The other uh, the other thing that we struggled with a lot, and, and this is me personally, is I felt, I felt a little, I don't know if cheated is the right word, but I, I needed better signposting in this game. There were puzzles that were split on things that in my opinion should not have been split on. Um, we will get more in depth on this as I mentioned in the spoiler part of our podcast, but I felt on multiple times because there was no cohesive narrative in this game, right? It kind of felt you were doing a little bit of this theme and a little bit of this theme and it was all kind of under the guise of winter Christmas time. 
but there were a couple of times where it was like these things should belong together or they shouldn't exist in the same space in order to create more clarity. Yeah, I mean, in terms of signposting, I would almost say it's like finding a way to do good gatekeeping because it, it felt awkward getting a new item and then realizing that inside that item is two different puzzles and that they're not next to each other in terms of order. You right. do one then and then you wait a bit then you go back to the other one, but you see the other one immediately so you can work on it. So and they're directly it, related. Yes. Like the one that yeah. I'm talking about, there was a thing inside another thing that should have gone together. together. Like, yes. I, I don't think I can let that point down. Hunter, disagree with me if I'm wrong here because uh, I'm getting passionate. <laughs> that that was I'm very concerned for you right now. It's just a puzzle, Jared. I'm sorry. Um, there were a couple difficulties in that in where – we got a little ahead of ourselves at some points, but oftentimes it was a little hard not to because we were very, very excited to explore. We want to see all the ins and outs of all these little things. But with how this was set up, it was a one puzzle at a time kind of ordeal. And when you have all the gray area of merging and the items and that kind of thing, that really muddles the experience and not entirely sure of the direct path we're supposed to take. Like we, we can't win if we don't know the finish line super well. Um, and I think that was a little problematic on our end. However, we're all just chaotic beings and it was chaotic in every sense of the word. So, and again, we had a lot of fun, but chaos is a really good word. So here's, here's what I want to do to close out this section. Cause we don't have another third room for improvement. I'm very interested. This is one of my most excited reason for us all four doing this now is the experienced puzzle player versus a newer puzzle player. And eventually we won't be able to do this segment with you anymore. Uh, and we'll have to replace you with newer people. Yes. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jared grows us in a lab. <laughs> and then we just, we cycle them out. But Zach, I'll throw it to you first. As okay. an experienced, more experienced puzzle player, I would say, what was your enjoyment level through this? Do you think this was meant for someone like you or not? Ooh, okay. Um, I think in terms of intended difficulty, I think it's someone for around my experience or more um, in terms of the competitive aspect. If this was kind of like wish you were here was where in those experiences, it's not timed. It's just on you to kind of do it at your own pace. I think that's actually like, a, as I put back then kind of a better introductory level to people who want to do puzzle hunts. Cause it has like more of a narrative based in it. And then just lets you do it at your own freedom um, versus this game where it does let you do it at your own freedom to degree, but you are playing a competitive game. So, you know, you are wanting to beat people more than likely if you're doing this experience. Absolutely. Um, Which we did not do a whole lot. Yeah, of. no, uh, we beat a few people. Not a huge deal, but um, <laughs> some of the other people that didn't fully finish the puzzle. Hunt. But yeah. I, I, I agree. But me personally, too, I was like, this felt on par in terms of difficulty. Yeah. The time gaps are practice learning different skills, yes. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Matthew and Hunter, if we had just let the two of you do it, would this no. have been enjoyable or a good experience okay, for you? Enjoyable, yes. Good experience, maybe. It would have taken us like a full day. Honestly, in my opinion, the props alone make it just fun to deal with. It, it, I mean, it's like opening like a like a loot box or something like that, and you just have all these little ins and outs. And like, even if you don't understand any of the references or anything like that, it's neat looking at these little props and all that. So, would we have fun? Absolutely. Would we make top five, top ten? Top 30? Probably not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even give us top 60. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we looked and there were about 64 teams that yes. participated. Yeah. 
Uh, we actually did not meet our goal of finishing. We ran out of time in terms of life and work and needed to move on. I, I believe yes. we were on the final puzzle. We were. Um, but we were, um, I'm going to call us hint whores. And we, we right. I looked compared to all of the other groups. We used a lot of hints. And uh, we used a lot of, incurred a lot of extra time as a result of that. But that's okay. Like, I have no problem getting my butt kicked doing something for the first time. True. I think it'll be fun in the future once we get a little bit more of these under our belt to see what happens. But I do want to make it very clear that Puzzling Company got demolished as an organization in this hunt. We are, we are not winners over yes. here at Puzzling Company. But also, I think the good news here is that uh, this is not a one-time thing, although this exact iteration of it might have been. We could have another chance to give it another stab in the future once we're more experienced and once we want to, you know, finally get the chance to demolish people, we can get there. Absolutely. And what's really cool about this, and I'll close out our section today saying this, they leave this up for 24 hours after the start. So if you are the team that just could care less about competition, I still think this merits itself as a play just as an ex- puzzle experience, right? I, I know people all the time who do not like competitive play. They, they are out there. I tend to like it a little more than others. That's just me. But even if you're out there and you're like, oh, I don't want to, you don't interact with other people. You interact with your team and you can have a lot of fun with this. Take your time, finish it. And I think purely because of the box itself, it merits it. If this is an online thing purely, eh, there's better. I think you might be able to find something else out there. But with the box, I would do it just to do it. I'd absolutely agree with that. And I would also add to the point that if you are looking to do your first like competition room and online stuff, I feel like this one was pretty good at like teaching you what you're going to want to be doing and uh, like the mindset you're going to want to have for it. And kind of uh, for, for two people who had never really done a puzzle hunt like this before. It was pretty good about like giving us a paragraph or so. It was just like, okay, this is kind of the area you're going to want to start looking in. So I feel like for newcomers, this one was pretty good at teaching you what you needed to know. I love it. I think we leave it with that. Yep. We are going to wrap up this episode, all four of us saying thank you for Jared, for Zach, for Matthew, for Hunter. This has been Puzzling Company. Zach, before we head out real quick, where can people find more information on this game if they want to play a future competition moving forward? Yeah, so if you'd like to find out more about the Great Gotham Challenge, you can go to info.ggc.nyc. That is info.ggc.nyc. And check them out, social media. They do these things periodically. This is something to make a day of. Yep. Get your Get your squad together. Um, you can also, the great thing about this is if your squad is spread out, this is made to be played over Zoom as well. So shout out to the thoughtfulness of all of that. We will play again in the future. We will set a new goal for us. Like we need to make the top half of competitors. And maybe one day, maybe one day we will reach the mountaintop. But it, that day is nowhere in sight. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Puzzling Company. See you guys. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. <laughs>